0: Are you stuck in your office spinning your wheels? Is it time for you to get away from your business so you can focus on the business? Maybe a retreat? I'm Katie Horner of the Four Year Success podcast, and though my husband and I started out in full-time ministry, living well below the poverty line, our six-figure business now gives us ministry opportunities that far outweigh the ones we had in full-time ministry. Join me and my husband, Tap, on April 30th at the Get Out of the Boat Christian Business Virtual Retreat to recharge your batteries, and let us show you how fun it can be to walk out your faith in your business with joy and confidence, because doing the business that God created you to do can be your best worship. The Get Out of the Boat Christian Business Retreat is April 30th from 11am to 7pm, and you can attend from anywhere online. We can't wait to see you there. You can get all the info and register for your ticket right now at GetOutOfTheBoat.com.
1: Hey, come take a walk with me, Now like you used to do, do something different and
2: put yourself in other people's shoes, open up your mind and open up your eyes and change your direction, change your perspective. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. Now... I don't know about anybody else. We kind of need to slow down a little bit. So take a minute, like take this in. Oh, like all of a sudden I feel like we're being transported. By the way, I've taken this eight hour plane ride and I'm so excited because we get to cross the state. Off of our map. So excited today to do that. Help me welcome in my guest from the island of Hawaii. I thought I would never be able to say this. And so I'm so excited to sit with this young lady today. She's doing amazing work over in Hawaii. And in fact, here's the thing. You need to get excited about this. In fact, you need to find out more about this. And in fact, I cannot wait for you to get your eyes open because I believe and I think she will echo this. There are so many things that are being unseen in the island of Hawaii. In fact, trafficking is going on. In fact, we're going to get to the bottom of this right now as I welcome in my guest, Victoria. Victoria, how are you today?
1: Hey, everyone. Hey, Neil. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. Thank you for that because I'm feeling those vibes, those island vibes. Do we need it back again like for a minute? We do. Just give me a little bit more.
2: Like, seriously, like, I want to go to a luau all of a sudden. Thank you. And just relax. Thank you. By mm-hmm. the ocean. I can like contemplate yeah, life. Yeah,
1: I, I can just feel the breeze. Right? Yeah. Okay. My feet are in, the, in the sand.
2: sand so speaking of feet, let's talk about that. <laughs> Segue. <Segway>. Uh, <what's, laughs> what style of shoe do you love to wear? I know being in Hawaii, you probably. I'm guessing maybe wear a lot of flip flops. Maybe I'm stereotyping. But when I was in Hawaii uh, so many years ago, I did actually see people wearing shoes. But by and far, I think most people were rocking some like sandals of some sort. So what are you wearing today?
1: You are absolutely right. They are my slippers. We call them slippers with A-H at the end. A-H-S actually. Um, and that is my favorite. It doesn't matter what brand, as long as they are with my toes, getting some air. Seriously. It's hot. (laughs) It's hot. (laughs) I love it. Now
2: I know there are multiple islands geographically speaking for Hawaii. So help us out. I was on the big Island, which is Kona. Um, and it has Hilo on it. There's a volcano on that. That's kind of cool. But where are you as I'm kind of looking at my map so we can help us. With yes,
1: that. yes, so we are on the island of oahu o a h u uh where the fame you know i guess where the most popular airport is where the Waikiki Beach is and where Honolulu is. So I think I flew
2: into Honolulu and then I took the plane over to uh, to Kona. Yep. D- did I to do that right? Island. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you did. Because I do remember like we flew in and I was really kind of mad. Like we didn't get to fly direct into Kona. We had to like fly into Honolulu and then get on a plane. And then I was like, can't we just, you know? my wife's like, no. 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 Doesn't do that. But when we left, mm-hmm. we went from uh, we went from Kona right to what, San Francisco or something? Yeah. Back to, and I was like yeah.
1: It's it's, it's like, really what? weird. Maybe they wanted you to touch down in Waikiki, spend a little bit of I, money. We did that. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't remember. I do remember
2: uh, how much I loved Hawaii. And for those that have never been to Hawaii, I'm going to tell you right now, save your money, save your pennies, cash in your stock option at your company, which is maybe what I did, and go because it is fantastic. So here's the thing. If I were to come back and hang out with you for a day, right? Like somehow we could yes. make that work logistically. What what yes, would we, we can, go and do, and 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 what would you where would you take us, and, and and what would we do?
1: Well, I'm a big foodie, so we would go eat. Um, you know uh, For the uh, The sober folks I, I hope I'm not Hurting any ears Right now But you know You know I don't really care About the Mai Tais And all that But they're really good here And the piña coladas And all that good stuff But the local Hawaiian food Is my favorite The kalua pork And the lomi lomi uh, Salmon salad um, We can go on and on But of course We gotta visit the beaches Not the beaches Just in Waikiki or on Waikiki on o- on Oahu, but we'd go to like the east side and the west side, and like there's this place where you can snorkel in the North Shore called Sharks Cove. Like it's just so many things to do, and then um, we'd probably sit down and I'd take you around to my area where I work, where this is the so-called unseen area of Honolulu slash. Waikiki slash the island of Oahu. Yeah, because
2: again, when people think about mm-hmm. Hawaii, they think of yep. paradise. In fact, that's why we were calling this episode Lost yep. in Paradise. Because I think for you in the work that you're doing, there are so many souls, and I'm not talking shoe souls. I'm talking souls of people that, that are yes. lost. And that are still trying to find their way. And not only are they lost a lot of times, they are trapped. And, and they're not trapped in touristy traps, which is kind of funny maybe to, to, to play on a little bit but they're trapped in something more serious than that. And what is that that they're trapped
1: Ugh, in? They are trapped in sexual trauma. Um, this is this is not going to be for, you know, the young listeners, but it is going to be for the parents of very young people. It's I work specifically with lost souls within the ages of 12 to 17, turning 18 years old. And these lost souls, and, and why we're talking about this, is the fact that it is being unseen. It is still affecting many of these populations, which are native Hawaiians as well, as the tourist population is a part of this lost soul that's affecting these young people. I, and I say that in a roundabout way because there's so many lost souls from the tourists here that are are seeking like the paradise who might even get trapped in this whole scheme of uh, trafficking or exploitation. Um, and these beautiful souls that are lost in the world of trafficking, which are the young people, the survivors of of abuse, the foster care kids, et cetera, et cetera.
2: I know for me personally, human trafficking is not something ever talked about. You know, uh, for those that might remember, I had Rebecca Bender on, uh, you know, a number of of episodes back. If you're interested in that, I I would highly recommend check that out at OPSpodcast.com. But in my interview with Rebecca, she's from the Rogue Valley, Oregon area, and now she's doing amazing work, you know, down in Texas. But she kind of had a... How how shall I say this? She, She had a little bit of an ability because she was from the area. She knew how to help the people in the area because when she came back to Oregon to start her work again, she was working with people in Oregon and really people all over the country. But she really focused on the county that she was in, in Southern Oregon. And so you know, she, I believe she probably was able to get into those people and, and help those people because again, she knew what the area was like. Now you're not natively from Hawaii. No. is that right? No. So, so how has that affected you? Because let me tell you, mm-hmm. I know again, the limited time I was there in Hawaii, 10 days, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get a great snapshot of mm-hmm. Hawaii, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, and we laughed about this mm-hmm. a little bit in our pre-show that, uh, that I felt like I was in a different country Yes, going to Hawaii. Yes. Even though it's the United States, even though everything about it, if people were free, but it still felt like to me a different country. Has it ever felt like that to you? Because again, I know you're not native from Hawaii and has you not being a native, has that affected your work in any way in, in being able to help these souls that we're
1: talking about? I love this. I love this question because I'm going to talk about something that's not often said is that i specifically wanted to reach the population of the brown communities and the island of hawaii feels like that because there's native Hawaiians, there's a large population of Asians, there's a large military base here and we have a lot of the, I mean, we. Ha- I feel like we have every military service um, organization from the Navy to the Marines to the Army, so it is very multicultural and very diverse and I wanted to be in an environment and a place where I can help those specific communities. I myself am the Filipino and African American, and there is a great population of Filipinos here. So that's like my number one food. That's like we all know how to stay outside for like twenty hours, and you know, I mean, it, it's it's I'm more re- relatable and connected to this population and of these specific communities and it's expensive as hell. So, we hustle over here. Like we got like two or three jobs and um you know, coming from I'm from originally from Delaware, so from the first state to the 50th, I'm like in a new place. Like it is like another world, seriously. Even when you land foot on the beaches of Waikiki, it doesn't look the same in the area where I work, it does it. It's totally different. So I can't imagine the imagery that a lot of people see and they don't know that these so-called perpetrators in the world of trafficking are also these same tourists. And it just, it just goes tenfold, okay? It just goes tenfold of why it's so different here and people just don't think that it's happening here. And these, these brown communities, Neil, they're not seen. People still think that it doesn't happen here.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still happening there. And so mm-hmm. help me understand this because yes. you yourself yes. not only were – uh, you were trafficked yes. and now you're kind of a survivor and, yes. and helping those get out of that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of your mission in life Yes, and you're working at a, at a center that mm-hmm. really helps kids with that. So that's awesome that you're doing that work there. Very noble work, <laughs> Thank uh, you. I would imagine. So, so take me back to that mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. you got trafficked mm-hmm. and, and if you can, Help us walk. I'm, I'm guessing you were wearing shoes. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be <laughs> funny there a little bit. But but help us get into those shoes for a moment of, mm-hmm. of that first time that you were were trafficked and, and yeah. tricked or, or how that yeah. all came about, if you wouldn't mm-hmm. mind sharing that. Yes,
1: and I love the fact that you said sort of trafficked because uh, there's a new area of trafficking and that's like lived experiences. Um, thankfully, that night, and I'll take you back to that because the irony is, is that I had to wear two sets of different shoes and for you all to understand how it felt I will tell you I went from little flip-flops to having to wear six seven inch heels to walk the streets so as a college student actually I graduated I just graduated college and uh, I had a couple of friends in, in undergrad that uh, we stayed and connected stayed in contact with but here's the thing social media had just came out with the platform MySpace. So you can talk to anyone, just like you know everybody's doing now with Instagram, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. A lot of us don't talk about the world of trafficking where it's recruitment. I potentially had a friend of mine who we were friends in college, literally recruit me to another person. And I'll call him a trafficker. I don't know if he was a pimp or not, but he recruited me to this trafficker which is how I potentially got tricked into their plan was to teach me the ropes of a fellow prostitute. And then they were gonna take me to Vegas the next day. So let me backtrack a little bit. After I graduated, I moved to Miami, Florida to live with my auntie and continue some studies into forensic psychology. This person contacted me through MySpace Now, part of my psychology journey was I was getting into research. I was getting into recruitment in the research realm. So I was looking for research participants and all that stuff. And part of that in the lifestyle of Miami is reality shows came out. So I was doing casting, like legit, say for like The Bachelor, They'd give me they'd give me a per diem rate and say, hey, Victoria, go out to like happy hour bars and scenes and go out and see if you have anybody that's interested in applying for the bachelor. I love that job. So I would post the gigs that I was able to to fulfill on MySpace. That's how the recruiter tricked me into believing that they had an assignment for me to complete in Philadelphia for a local uh, boxing management agency they were looking for boxing ring girls i don't know if we got a lot of boxing fans here but you know it's just like how it's like in wrestling that you have this like beautiful bikini model who's holding a sign of which round it is one two three four five that's what i was supposed to be looking for but when i got out of the plane got off the plane in philadelphia Mind you, I was wearing my flip-flops because it was like midsummer It's that night. I like to travel casually. Again, my toes need to breathe. Um, And I get into the taxi cab and my friend, my so-called friend who recruited me was nowhere to be found. And I end up getting to the hotel where we were supposed to complete this casting assignment. So unfortunately, he was nowhere to be found and we pull up to the hotel where we're supposed to do the casting and there's three guys that come out. And... The three guys were African American. They could have been the boxers. They could have been the management that were gonna really select the girls. Like I'm used to to doing that. But when I get into the hotel, things just seemed completely off. And they my card and everything for the hotel room was ready. I get into the hotel room, still followed by these three individuals. I get into the hotel room and there's two adult females, one's Asian, one's African American, and they look like what we would call prostitutes sex workers, street identified women, because they had on like tight dresses and very high heels. And a lot of the streets of Philadelphia are like cobble and it just you wouldn't be walking around in those kind of shoes. They close the door and they say, Victoria. You're going to learn from them tonight and you better get it right because we're leaving for Vegas tomorrow. These ladies had attire for me to wear, shoes for me to wear, and they became my, I guess, sisters for the night that were going to show me what to do and how to do it.
2: What, what is that feeling like, knowing that this is not at all... This is not at all the ring, the ring girl, you know, casting agent that you wanted to be right. This is, this is not at all. Like that friend and I'm air quoting, no one can see me, but I'm air quoting that friend that recruited you, by the way, MySpace takes us back. So that for those that don't know, that's <laughs> pre Facebook. Um, so you had a top 10. I never had a MySpace personally, but, but whatever, I'm trying to bring some levity cause cause that was some serious <laughs> stuff that we were just walked down.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, uh, but i'm 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 in the hotel room with you thank you like i'm literally there with you you painted that picture so eloquently by the way so i'm in there with you i'm imagining for a second like you gotta just be freaking yeah. Out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what do you yeah. mean? I, I, I got to learn from them. What do you mean we're going to Vegas tomorrow? Like, what? Do you, what? Well, hold on. Like, stop the train. Uh, I need to get off because what you're talking about, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I'm not here for that. Why? Why am I even here?
1: And Neil, I didn't even ask those questions. What I learned later on is that there's something called the Fawn response. I didn't freeze. I didn't fight my way out of there. I didn't try to run my way out of there. They set it up pretty well anyway, because these three, these three guys were pretty buff. They could have been the boxers. And what I saw were two very vulnerable women that seemed like they were forced to do this to me. And if I wasn't gonna comply, I could have died. They could have died. And I immediately sprung into, how can I appease them to survive? And I've never been in that predicament before. And I really, and I talk about it in my podcast, I really was in a moment where I had called on everyone, the universe, God, my ancestors, everyone to help me in that moment. Cause I couldn't have imagined what was in store for me. Cause the girl said, I will have to learn. That meant walking the streets. That meant possibly what we call turning a trick is getting a date. And I just, I didn't even have a, a, those thoughts in my mind right now, all I had was comply, comply, comply.
2: So, so you, do you go
1: out with them that night and I do, do they
2: kind of show you the ropes or I, I don't, I'm not using the right verbiage. Yeah, I'm no, sure, but, you but help me you, with no, that.
1: This is, this is good because I, and I want to take it back to the fact, cause there's a lot of stereotypes with um, trafficked individuals, right? I want to take it back to, I was in college. I had already graduated and my degree was in psychology and I moved to Miami and in Miami, my uncle who I was staying with was part of Miami Dade County police and he was working with SWAT and my auntie was working in internal affairs with the correctional bureau. So I was involved with a lot of crime sort of like, I wasn't scared of that. And then I'm in the realm of casting. So I get to really characterize people. I get to know, not like walking in their shoes kind of thing, but kind of getting a sense to find a connection real quick. I connected with those ladies in like the first five minutes we were walking away instead of what maybe like law enforcement would say I should have did was like, look at my surroundings, you know, figure out who you can call on because that all could have got me killed, you know, trying to find a place to run right there, trying to tell somebody what I'm supposed to be, you know, doing, or please help me would not have worked. I became their sisters. I became, an ally for them to trust i learned quickly that i have to have them like me in order to survive so i told them everything i could psychologically like i know what this is i've seen this i know what prostitutes do you don't have to teach me anything i don't have to show you that i know call him right now let's just go back to the hotel you know why because i know these ladies haven't slept they walked like their feet hurt their skin and their body looked dehydrated to the T. Their hair was mangled. It, and 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 come to find out, while we were walking, I was able for them to share their story. They had been in the life for 10 years with this trafficker. The other one was seven years. And they were tired, Neil. They wanted to just not do a, anything. They wanted to rest this whole time they hadn't ate. They had told me the day before they also got a girl recruited from that same peer that I went to college with and they trafficked her in Atlantic City on the boardwalk. And they told me she got away. She actually had to have a date with someone and he helped her get away. And they said, please, as long as you don't get away, he won't kill us, he won't hurt us, you can't get away. So all I kept telling them was, trust me, I won't get away, I won't try to leave. And that really saved my life. I had to use my psychology and really feel like what they felt. Like literally, I'm not gonna lie, on our way back, Neil, this is why it was so important that I'm on a show like yours because they literally took their shoes off and we walked back to the hotel barefoot. that's grounding. that's like I'm relieved. This girl might really know what I'm going through, and I just want to get off my feet. I just want to rest i'm tired these 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 souls are tired literally and and that's what saved my life so if I'm not getting too personal,
2: no, it's okay do you end up do you end up turning any kind of tricks that night or or how long till Until you're forced to maybe do that.
1: Nope. So on our way back, these ladies, and I'm, and who the power of people. They were crying, they were telling me they wanna to go to nursing school. They were telling me that the, one of them, the Asian one, he had just bought her a Jaguar and that's what she wanted her entire time. And, and she wants like, you know, to have a baby with him. And I'm just soaking this all up and I'm just finding their vulnerabilities. And I told them like, I don't I don't need to turn a trick, okay? I don't, I don't need, cause what they do also is the pimps, the traffickers usually break you in. That means any of those three guys, could have raped me they want to take away everything from you they want to make sure you know that you will be an object for sale and we will collect the money so we get back to the the hotel and the ladies they literally couldn't wait to lay down and they they did drugs and i said i don't have to do drugs i don't i thank you for saving me from turning a trick I don't care, I will, I will do anything you want. I don't have to you know, be raped tonight. I don't do anything, please. I will do everything as soon as we get to Vegas. I will take all the dates. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to work anymore. You can go to nursing school. You wanna to go to nursing school. You can work on having his baby. I don't care. I will take all the clients. And for some reason, they just really believed me and trusted me and they went to sleep. I evaded being raped, beaten, turning a trick, doing drugs, even having to perform anything with them. And unfortunately, when we were walking those streets, no one saw us. No one thought this was suspicious. This was like one, two o'clock in the morning. And it, it, it just like, it was like invisible. It was like a part of my life that really didn't happen, but it did. And I told those ladies, if you go to sleep, I will do what I need to do. I'll get dressed. I'll do my makeup. I'll do my hair. And that's what really saved me is because I told them that I was going to do my hair. Stupid. You think you were,
2: yeah, it's not necessarily (laughs) stupid per se, but do you think, do you think at all you were saved from having to perform those acts that you just described, you know, the, the rape, the, you know, the tricks, the, all of this stuff, do you think you were maybe saved for a reason?
1: to be where you are now? Absolutely. So when I was, every moment that I had while we were walking back into the room, into the bathroom when I was straightening my hair, I had a lot more hair than today. But... I kept saying to anyone out there listening, the ancestors, again, the universe, God, please, I will do everything in my power to save or be there for anyone else that has to go through what I'm going through or went through what I I went through. I think these two ladies showed me the epitome of a human connection. No one saw them, no one ever stopped to say, did did you eat today like take off those shoes let's just get off. get take off you know stop having sex stop being raped for a second because the traffickers were who were doing this to them on the daily like 10 to seven years how do you survive that so i said please if i get away i will do everything and from that day that i got away i have been working in the field of sex trafficking anti-trafficking uh being an advocate being an ally working with survivors you know, saving, rescuing, whatever terms, helping them escape, all of that stuff.
2: How did you get away? Well, I mean, how long were you with them and then how long did you, how'd you get away? Yeah.
1: So it's remarkable to say because this day and age, and I'm going to say this, no one really knows the numbers for on their cell phone, right? So this is happening back in 2005, 2006 area. And time frame.
2: Even back then, by the way, <laughs> I don't think we knew a ton of people's numbers. Just
1: yeah, exactly. That is true. That is true. Because we just had these devices, right? So, but when we were in college and, and you know, from, from dating at that age in college, you know, I really had a good partner. Like he was a good guy. I memorized his number, right? So when the guys had came into the room, I guess they came into the room to check if we had really left they brought my bags back because they took it initially maybe they wanted to search it or whatever by some miraculous reason my cell phone was back in there and I mean we you know it wasn't a fancy phone they probably had fancy phones because they had a lot of money it was just like this cheap phone they probably didn't even know it was a phone and while I was doing my hair I turned the blow dryer on and I said please god please anyone if I call this number the only number that I knew because he happened to be around the Philadelphia area I have 10 minutes actually yeah I have 10 minutes I said please I have to tell him I have to tell him what's happening and he has to come and save me help me get away that's it miraculously I did two things I said let me find out if they're outside of my room stalking me Uh, or if there's somebody watching my every move, because I didn't know how to exit at this point because we went through the front. I said, there has to be like a exit hallway, a fire escape, something. So I threw my bag out there and I left it there for five minutes while I called. And his name is Jake. And and he's on an episode in the uh, podcast because I reached out to him later on. Like this is 15 years ago. (laughs) And I reached out to him and he had never heard the story never. I called him and I said, I need help. And he's like, Victoria. And I'm like, I need help. I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I'm like 15, 20 minutes away from the airport. I'm in this hotel. There's a lot of other hotels. It's not rinky dink motel, but you know, I'm describing all of these things. He's like, okay. And he said, okay. And no one had came back. No one dropped, no one knocked on the door. No one did anything. So I said, I'm going to give you you know, 10 minutes. So I sat there, continued doing my hair, blood boiling. The exact moment I said, it's time, I grabbed my bag that was still in the hallway, and I ran. It wasn't a fire escape where the fire bell went off when he opened the door but you can hear the door and you can hear it close. By the time I'm running down the steps, I'm praying. I'm like, please, Lord, let him be on the other side of the door. I open the door and he's literally there in his car, window down. He's like, Victoria, Victoria, get in. And then I throw my bag in. I get in the passenger seat and as soon as we're trying to drive away, you could see the two men opening the back door from where I left and they were screaming my name. My phone was blowing up. i all I could tell you right now at that moment was I felt the unsafety of the two other women. I just knew that they were going to get beat up. I knew it. And in hindsight now, I realize that a lot of them do get beat up and they get in trouble for their plan failing. Um, And then I don't know if they realized that I hadn't turned a trick. I hadn't had to do anything. They probably were in, in a lot of more pain and, uh, despair I guess I never told Jake that night either I said I want to get to an airport I want to catch the red eye I want to get the hell out of here they the guys were still calling my phone and it's so funny to say this now is that I still do not know the image of this main traffickers face he kept his face down he made sure I barely looked at him he just made sure that he was not going to be a factor in all of this I would get the ladies in trouble before I even would get him in trouble. I don't even know that man's name, the recruiter friend. Never talked to him again before, ever. I mean, after that.
2: Wow. So a couple of things I want to kind of back up a sec, if we can. That was first off. <laughs> it's like Hollywood movie, for, for, I, and I'm not trying to say that flippantly. I mean, like no. I, that's yeah. that's riveting. I I, yeah. I mean, uh, I almost feel like it's a lifetime movie because. Yeah. Uh, Lifetime movies always make guys seem to be the, the jerks of, of everything <laughs> yeah. in life, you know. So, so there yeah. you go. You might you might call Lifetime see if they're interested. Yeah, I will. But I there's
1: will.
2: A, there, <laughs> there's a couple things that come to me when you're when you're telling this. So, first thing is, have you ever forgiven the MySpace guy
1: who <laughs> recruited you? <laughs> God, that's such a good question, Neil. Um, So I told my story publicly last year, the first episode of the podcast, and someone said, what was your way of getting justice? And he became an afterthought. I think a lot of people, especially on your episodes, they talk about pushing back trauma. I forgot about this guy until last year. And a friend of mine from college found a freaking picture of him and she showed me and i cried i i have so much in my spirit that i don't want to feel from that um so 15 years later i actually still don't know what to do i don't know if i'm in a space yet where the word forgiven for his situation is is uh, going to happen anytime soon i want to forgive people who think that they can recruit people, have them taken and they get money for it because I got away. I want to forgive those people. But what if I didn't get away? What if I, you know, would still be in the life? What if I was in Vegas? Then definitely that'd be unforgivable. I think there's space for me to forgive him as the recruiter and as somebody that I dealt with in college, but right now I'm not able to cuz I I just can't believe like if Jake never picked me up from one person from the same university to another person doing the most extreme i hadn't even heard of recruitment at that point i don't even know what space he was in to think that you can sell a soul for sex
2: yeah the the other thing that comes to mind too now you know i'm not asking you to drop names here per per se but the two women that you talked about, the Asian woman, as you describe yes. her, and then the African American yes. woman, as you also describe her, yes. what would you say if somehow miraculously, mm. you know, I don't know. Cause again, I don't know where the show goes. You know, this as a podcaster, yeah. right? We don't know whose earbuds they get into. We, we can see numbers and stuff like that, but we don't know souls behind those downloads. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, correct mm-hmm. me, of course. But what would you say to those two ladies Mm -hmm. if somehow miraculously you could speak into their life right now? If they're still in the game, I think that's what Rebecca Benner called it, is the game. So if they're still in the game, or even if they're out of the game, somehow they got out. What would you say to those two ladies right now at this moment?
1: And I'm such a visual person, so I'm seeing them as they are that day. Well, that's what I was going to say. If
2: it helps, go back to that room if it's not too much traumatic for you.
1: No, I'm in the room, and I don't know why this is what I want to say right now, but I want to say I'm sorry. I am sorry, but I'm not going to do this. This is not going to be my life. I'm sorry that this happened to you for 10 years. I'm sorry that this happened to you for seven years. I'm hoping that this will not be the end of your your journey your life i i hope that you accept my apology in that i am greater than this and i will help others so that they won't have to be in your position that you are in because this must be a lot to take a soul a a vulnerable soul and have to do things and make them do things on the command of another human being and i and i hope that you get the help that you need or you're getting the help that you need because that you don't deserve it. You you don't deserve it. And I want you to know that I see you and I'm trying to help and I will help everyone to this day so that they won't have to feel what you're feeling, experience what you're experiencing and walk in your shoes. That's good stuff. That was a good question. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> was
2: it? Oh I I, my gosh. I, I never know. I never know. This is like
1: my third time, I think, publicly telling my story. Um, and it feels good because one, I'm talking to a male and I like the fact that you spoke on the fact that there aren't a lot of Jakes out there that would pick up the phone and a drop of a dime without any information, come run in to help or, or rescue or save a friend without questions asked. And then there's, but I know there's a lot more of the people who recruited me. And there's a lot more of the people that are traffickers and we got to protect our children. And a lot of them are lost in Hawaii thinking that that's going to be their job. Like it's okay to recruit other beautiful lost island women that are here. And we're all, you know, we're all kind of trying to make our life. But if you if you do the research, the people that are perpetrating and trafficking individuals, they know them. They're not going to be strangers like in my case. And I think Rebecca pointed that out, that these groomers are they know you. They know the people that they're going to spend time manipulating, really brainwashing. I learned, especially in Hawaii, I learned it only takes three days to brainwash someone into believing whatever the heck they want you to believe so
2: you talk about living with your auntie yeah and your uncle in florida i think i would be remiss if i didn't ask how was your relationship with your mom and dad did that have any effect on maybe you being more susceptible or more prone to being trafficked
1: good question I want to say this part of it because I mentioned it earlier that um, I'm half Filipino and African-American. So my mother is Filipino and unfortunately she's very submissive and the trafficker or those three men were African-American men and they scared the heck out of me. Um, I did grow up in an abusive household and my father was the abuser and I would have I did I did I did deal with this a lot after is that fighting as a response was never going to be my thing if I was I was going to be very verbally abusive it was never going to be physically fought because I seen my mother have to endure that and experience that and she stayed. She survived, but she stayed. That wouldn't have been my story. So in, in actuality, I was more vulnerable in a sense where I didn't have the male role models and male figures that I should have had in my life. And I see that a lot here. There's a lot of the young people that I work with that don't have, not even just a, a two-parent household, they don't have a strong parent able to do everything besides make ends meet, besides help educate you, help you realize real life experiences, have those healthy relationship conversations. Like over coffee, you mentioned you ha- in the pre-show, you mentioned you have a 13-year-old. Like no one ever had this sex talk with me, you know, until I was like 14, 15 years old and it was from my friend's parent. You know, so I think I wasn't equipped with all of that. But again, um, I still had individuals in my life like Jake, who I trusted, who showed me that I can trust certain individuals. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I Like I said, I just was curious about that. If we got yeah. too
0: personal. No, sorry about that. no, no. No,
2: <laughs> no, no, no. So. Uh, greatest greatest challenge in your work right now, and then maybe a victory that you've had or or a big win that you've had in the work that you're doing over there.
1: Oh my gosh, um, I want to start with the wins because the wins and the successes are going to look different, and it's so crazy because a small victory to me is so big for other people. I can have a youth who had been sleeping. So, so because we're in Hawaii, homelessness looks very different, right? I can get young people that stay out on the beach. We get trafficking cases that they're being trafficked and exploited on the beach, in the sand. Like, who does this, right? So a success for me is just getting them in our center, sleeping in a bed, and letting them sleep. They, they they don't have to wake up a certain time for me to say, hey, fix your bed because they might not have ever had a bed. They might have been just been living with their family in the beach or in an in a abandoned vehicle. That's very common here because the, the, the price for rent is freaking sky high. Um, and these are large families. They want to be connected. Um, so my greatest and best success is like my greatest challenge and my greatest success is taking the lives and making them human again I see them as people I see them as individuals that everybody should just be seen they should be in in a in a place where a success like sleeping in a bed for one night without you know running away or without having a night tire or without being a 17 year old who still wets the bed Without you know having all of these things for one night, that's a success, and it is a challenge too because we want immediate gratification. When we work with something like this, we want to be able to be the Jakes. We want to be able to rescue people. We want to be the Victorias who got away and can work in the field and be Rebecca Bender and like survive, be a survivor leader. But it always doesn't. It doesn't happen like that all the time. So that's that's my immediate like victory is small success is small and we just celebrate each and every one. Yeah. I I love that
2: because I think, again, my perception of success is not always going to be your perception of success. And I think that's, what's so great about, you know, being a part of this show is I get to hear that perspective shift. I get to hear that different process and that thought and that understanding, which is something I obviously gravitate towards and, and uh, really aspire to, to really try to do every day. So that's good stuff there. So if, if you could somehow, I could give you the power, which I don't know how I could do this, but if I could give you the power and I say, Victoria, you can change sex trafficking <gasps> right now. Yes. Somehow you can change it. You can put a stop to it. What What would be, What would you do to do that? Hmm. Or maybe how you would do that. I, I guess maybe even.
1: I think my first piece would be change the stigma of what a trafficker looks like. Like, I'm sorry, but I want to remove, take in the movie. Thank you, Neil. Le- Le- what his name is? Liam, And I'm sorry, but I need to remove that movie. Liam Neeson. Uh, Liam what Neeson. Yeah, it's tough. Go. It's an Irish name, I think. Oh, yeah. Liam wow. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Like, I love the movie, right? There's one, there's two, there's three. But I think that our minds, our minds needs to change in the visions of what trafficking looks like. Because... People don't want to and I just and I'm I'm dropping a name here, but I just talked to Megan Lundstrom from the Avery Center. She's like a Rebecca Bender. She's like in charge. She's a survivor. And she talked a lot about the imagery needing to change and what we see as traffickers and pimps. Or, you know, we need to make the people Feel uncomfortable with knowing that this is happening in America. It's happening in your households. And the people that are affecting um, and trafficking others are family members, their friends, their ex They're boyfriends, their boyfriends, their lovers, their husbands, their ex husbands. And trafficking might look like domestic violence. So if you gave me the power, which you gave me, you're giving me power today, too, Neil. And I just want to. Commend you. Um, You're giving me the power to share and make people see that it's not going to look like the traditional person, maybe trafficked internationally, or a prostitute is the person who's being trafficked. There's a lot of minors that are still going to school. And when they go home after school, they're being trafficked, and their parent is getting rent money or they're paying the bills off of their rape and exploitation. Yeah.
2: That's terrible. Yeah. So you would, you would just, just so I can make sure I understood correctly, yeah. you would make it less of a stigma and take that stigma away. Yes. Somehow you have this gigantic eraser yeah. and you would just erase the stigma that comes with
1: that, right? Yes. Yep. I would take the word out of pimp, like at so seventies, like I am so done with it. The You know, I would change the imagery a lot um, because if I had that big eraser, it would be organizations bind together and change the stigma of it's of it's happening more internationally than in the in, in the in America in the U.S. and that it's not the pimp culture it's not they're not prostitutes there's there's still people calling children child prostitutes so I need that big eraser and that big eraser consists of people in organizations and organizations helping me change that with whatever we can do like hello lifetime tell real stories you know listen to the podcast listen to neil matthews around on all you know those kind of individuals who want to share the story that's nice of you to throw me into your lifetime
2: pitch. That's, yeah. that's awesome. I mean so I need you in the movie. Like
1: you'd probably be in the movie. <laughs> I don't like, know if I want to be
2: in the movie. No? Like I said, all the dudes all the dudes get <laughs> yeah, Hallmark. That's that's my wheelhouse. I'm the True. Hallmark guy. True. I okay. want to be the Hallmark guy. So uh so as we kind of wrap up today, yeah. I, I wanna I want to call your attention to the fact of this. Now, last time I checked, which, you know, I mean, it happens, but uh, Hawaii
1: does not have a professional sports team, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. We have the Aloha Stadium, which the biggest attraction is college football and the flea market. So, So, yeah, no. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have one, right? No, no we don't. No, you don't. So, no. do you wish you had one, though?
1: I mean, Absolutely are you a sports not. fan at all? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm more of the let's go in the water and swim and like spend hours on the beach. Um, Sunday football is not in this house. It's like Sunday paddling, stand up paddling on the beach. <laughs> so say that again. You call it stand up paddling? It's a uh, stand up paddling. Yep. Okay, because over here I call it paddle boarding. Oh. Huh? Oh is yeah, that, we call it different? supping. Actually, supping, supping, supping. Stand up paddling. Gotcha. Supping. Yeah. All right. So, by
2: the way, the according to Google, the uh, capacity of your Aloha Stadium, where the University of Hawaii plays, is four thousand three hundred twelve people. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't seem like a lot.
1: We have concerts in there and uh, I guess, the, okay. I guess the Cardi B's and the m and and Bruno Mars filled it. They filled up 4,000. That's
2: awesome. So maybe I'm lying. So no, I, I think I'm lying. I got bad information. So, uh, hold on. Let's try 40,000. Work a little faster. So I'm hearing now a different, a different, uh, website okay. is Aloha stadium, which is what you're talking about. Uh, opened by the way in 1975 in case anyone was wondering and now I'm hearing this is uh this is monumental stuff here that the seating capacity was roughly uh about 50,000 people 50,000 okay that sounds right that sounds better that's a little little bit more let's let's change that conversation right (laughs) so 50,000 people so imagine though you're at the 50 yard line I hand you a microphone you got people
1: from all walks of life What message do
2: you say to them?
1: Stop exploiting each other. Be human and let's connect. I'm tired of social medias where it's just where we we act like we know each other and we don't. And this generation of young people, they're going to lose that connection. They're going to lose that human connection. That's what you would say to them. That's what I would say. Like, there's awesome. there's so many people in the world. I just, you know, I want to sound so corny and say, can we just love one another? <laughs> can we all just yes. get together and love
2: one <laughs> there another? There you go. Right See? Now. I don't know who sang that, but I think it's like a 70s song. Actually, I
1: can just... I sing that? I would sing that. I would grab the microphone. sing it right now? Oh, sing. no. Can you give me a little bit? No. Oh, come on. No, I got I to gotta wait for my voice for when I'm in that stadium. But I would sing no, that. No, just give me a little sample. Just come on. No, I would on. love you... one another. Let's love one. I don't even know the song that you're talking about, honestly. I don't
2: either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll did that. we just
1: make this but up? <laughs> we probably did.
2: So, but here's what I'm thinking, right? Is because again, it, it's easy in concept to say, I'm going to love my neighbor. I know. In fact, I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to love my neighbor as mm-hmm. myself. Cause we all want to love ourselves ultimately mm-hmm. deep down. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to really not love themselves. mm mm-hmm but there's something powerful about going to love our neighbor it is and 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 i think it's been lost through the sands of time like oh yeah i love my neighbor Mm-hmm. I, I love my neighbor. I don't like my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I could love him. Sure. But love is
1: so flippantly like we just throw it around like candy at Halloween. Right. You, you know what? I honestly think we throw out hate more than we throw out love. We're throwing out hate so much faster. Let's just throw out love even more faster. And one thing I love about Hawaii is that we have the aloha spirit and the aloha spirit is what is the aloha spirit yes the aloha spirit um is kind of just like be easy be loving be caring it's not that serious like literally if you're in a traffic jam we're throwing up the shakas and we're saying aloha it's like a thank you it's like generosity They have the symbolism for each letter of Aloha, but I'm not native Hawaiian. I would probably butcher it and I would don't want to lose that respect. Um, But I'm pretty sure it's online somewhere. But I feel like that's what saved me, though, Neil. That night, when as soon as I went through that hotel room and I saw those two girl, those two women, I got more love than hate for them. And I saw them as humans and I saw them as suffering. And I feel like everyone's suffering in some little piece of their life, whether it's, you know, relationship, mentally, financially. If we, you know, if we just know the vulnerability of folks and we're we, we can attack it, not attack it, but we can address it and see it, then I think that it it would be easier to love.
2: Alright, last question, and then, uh, no, then we're going to play no a game to together. End. Okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> then we're going to play a game together. Games okay. are fun. So, uh, how can people g- connect with you? You talk about connecting, you talk about, you know, the social media noise and everything that comes with that, but how can someone reach out to you if they're hearing your voice right now and they're like, man, this Victoria girl, she's speaking my language, like, I want to know more about her, more about her story. Like, we didn't even get how you got to Hawaii. I mean, that's a whole nother <laughs> probably show in itself. I'm sure it's a great story, and mm-hmm. I probably, as an interviewer, probably failed at that, <laughs> so- but Okay. I will say this, like, how can people connect with you? Because that's important to you and the work that you're doing. How it can is. They do that?
1: It is. Thank you so much. Um, I am in Honolulu, but I work at a shelter that I'm probably not going to disclose the name, but I work for an amazing nonprofit. Um, but my personal email is Victoria M, my middle initial, because my name, my middle name is Marie. Uh, my last name is Roland, R-O-L-A-N-D. And that's Victoria M. Roland at Gmail. And I am so open to connecting via email. And if we want to have a conversation, we can, because I have WhatsApp, you know, I got GroupMe, I got all that stuff. Um, But besides the handles... You can get a little piece of me too From the Unseen Traffic Truth Podcast um, Because that is where I share my story Um, And I showcase my personality Because I'm not really an interviewer Like the fabulous Neil But I do like to create a space and a platform Where others can tell their story And sometimes I get stuck um, And I just do that encouragement kind of thing Um, But you can find me there also At podcast at gmail.com
2: I love it. I love it a lot. So here's our game. Uh, We're playing a game called Senseless today. And so I did not get a Rainbow Warriors Cup, (laughs) but I I do have my handy-dandy University of North Carolina Cup here. You are fully aware we have five senses, right? Yes. Okay, just checking. So I'm going to roll because I wish I was in Hawaii. So, you know. Are we going to play this music back? Can we get some? Yeah, Yeah, let's get it back. Hold on. Here we go.
1: Six. Ooh, is that an extra?
2: So that is an extra. That's a wild card, as I like to call uh, it. That is the wild card category, and it's this question for you. So you ready for this? Yes. So if you could have a meal, a meal, because I used to say dinner, but some people are like, I don't like dinner. <laughs> don't I?
1: I'm on so breakfast. If you could have,
2: if, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you could have a meal, so breakfast, lunch, or dinner, first off, where are you going to go? we're going to take this person and it's a one person dead or alive and it's only you do not invite anyone else. It's a one-on-one meal with one person dead or alive. Who are you going with and uh, where are you going to eat?
1: I'm going to turn this whole thing upside down because the first thing that I just heard was where and who, and I want to go to my mama's kitchen and my mama is filipino so i want her chicken adobo with white rice and i want her to be my one and only person because i only like her chicken adobo so she's gonna make it and she's going to eat it with me and we're gonna enjoy a a really great dinner
2: Mm. well yeah i mean everybody wants to go somebody famous so it's rare that we get somebody that says hey i want to sit with you know, my mom or relative, by the way, it's, it's yeah, kind of she's actually me, not doesn't. really.
1: She's actually like a celebrity to me, you know, because she survived a lot, too. But it's so cliche because then I would obviously pick like Oprah. But I don't think she would. I don't know what I would eat with Oprah. Oh, my gosh. How do people answer she's this a, question? I, I never know. That's <laughs>
2: why I love it. it. Oh, my
1: God. That's why
2: I ask it, because it's kind of senseless. It's just kind of fun. Right. It's just kind of kind of, you know, I don't know wow way too much stock in this question i know possibly. no i'm
1: gonna like the whole day i'm gonna be like writing down different people okay what yeah. would i eat with
2: abraham lincoln abraham lincoln uh, uh martin luther king yeah Jr. oh my gosh uh, uh oh. yeah uh would why'd I you do this to with me so-and-so? yeah i don't know i just it's fun i love to torture people so but back to your mom for a second yes. you're in her kitchen yeah right? she's made this amazing meal for mm. you What's the first thing you're going to ask her after, after you guys sit down and all the dust is settled and, and everything's ready to go? You, before you take that first bite, what would you say
1: to your mom right now? I, I don't know why this is in my mind, but do you see me? God, is that so cliche? Like, I don't, I don't know because, you know, honestly, my mom didn't know my full entire story until I really broke it down to her last year for the um, podcast um, she she was crying and she was just like why didn't you tell me like uh, you know and that's what I was afraid for um, but I, I, I feel like she is scared every day when I go to work because she thinks that I just work with violent pimps and that I try to rescue these kids from uh, a sex trafficking ring. Um, and I'm telling her, it's not my, that's not what I do on a daily basis. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why do you see me is, is in my heart right now. Um, maybe I'm looking for some type of affection or, or something from my mom acknowledgement.
2: Yeah. I was, I was just going to ask maybe, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't I don't have a degree in psychology, <laughs> but I'm just wondering, like, do you somehow think subconsciously that she's never really seen who you are
1: i, I now that I, we're talking about it, i think so i think so and i'm like the middle child so i could be going through oh, some middle. wow <laughs> that just explains a whole lot like you should
2: have led with that middle children never get seen oh my gosh wait
1: you sure you're not a psychologist i mean positive I don't know. i've just watched a lot of oprah I'm just like jeez are Story. you like the male oprah right now no like, no this is happening you're not dr phil of course yeah, not everyone no. gets a car
2: that's what i want to say no
1: <laughs> everyone gets a podcast
2: t-shirt a everybody gets a shoe <laughs> yeah i would love to give away custom shoes that'd be fun so uh victoria thank you so much for coming on yeah. I, I i gotta say this has just been so much fun uh, not thank only the hawaii you. element but just everything about you um thank guys you. go listen to her stuff uh thank i you. just i just want to say thank you again for connecting
1: Thank you. And just
2: remember this before I let you go, Victoria, I got to tell you this. I Googled what the name Jacob means, by the way, and it says seizing the heel. That is what it means in Hebrew. And so I'm a big Tar Heels fan. And so imagine just for a second as we wrap up today that Jacob seized your heel from falling off of the cliff that could have led you down a road that could have led to destruction, that could have led to pain that could have led to who knows what. And so I just want to call everyone's attention to this fact today. I want you to go out right now. I know several Jakes and Jacobs. And in fact, I want you right now, if you're thinking about this and you're hearing about it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a Jacob, but I want you right now to think about somebody that you know that can go be your Jake today, that you can save and rescue the unseen person in your world today, Because right now, you may be the only voice that they may hear to seize their heel and to rescue them from the damage that they're about to cause themselves. Let that be your point to ponder today. And again, just want to remind you of this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Stay tuned till next week. Do our very best and walk in other people's shoes. Thank you so much for joining us on Other People's Shoes today. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for listening today. I really want to thank you for that. But I also want to thank Victoria, and I know I thanked her in the episode, but let me tell you this. It's very rare for me, and it seems like it's becoming less rare maybe, but... When I meet an individual or come across an individual that I feel like is is running in the same lane as I am or has the same kind of heart as I do, it, it's just, it's so cool. And so for me to be able to sit with Victoria today and hear her story and hear more about the work that she's doing over in Hawaii, to me was just really amazing. It just really was. More than the fact that we got to talk some Hawaii stuff, which is always fun. I, I like talking Hawaii stuff. But her story is so impactful, and I believe, put in the right ears, it really could help a young lady and maybe even a young man. And so if you know somebody right now that is young at heart, that really maybe needs to hear Victoria's story and hear more about what Victoria's, you know, dealt with and dealing with, I would invite you to not only reach out to her, but but really share this episode with that person. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, I would appreciate it. Just to help you out, her show is called Unseen, the Traffic Truth Podcast. And so, you know, maybe make a note of that and uh, take a listen to that as well. Speaking of taking a listen to, next week, pack your bags again. We're going to go from Hawaii. We're going to go back east. We're going to go to Boston. So get ready to pack your car on the parkway with my next guest. And he's a fun, fun guy to sit with. So here's a little sneak peek of next week's episode. I don't think I would take a mulligan, I, I, because I I'm very comfortable at where I'm at today, um, and I do believe that life is um, you know is a is a teaching journey, um, and and you get in some moments of life you get to teach, in some moments of life you get to learn, and in some moments of life you don't get to do either. You just get to share it, um, which I think is partially one of the moments here. That's right, as I mentioned. We are going to be going out to Boston, and we're going to be sitting down with a new friend of mine. His name is Stefan and I met him on Clubhouse, and he is dynamic, dynamic, awesome guy. And uh, you're not going to want to miss his nuggets and his pearls of wisdom. I'm telling you right now, you're just going to have to get that notepad out, get ready to write, because it's going to be some really impactful stuff. So just want to call your attention to that. That, of course, will take place at OPSpodcast.com. That's the place to go each and every Wednesday. That, of course, were past, present, and future episodes. Do live and breathe, as I often do say. So please bookmark that. Come back next week and listen to it there, of course. And, of course, if you would love to connect with us or with me, you can, of course, do that of course a lot if you want to do that you can do that at OPS Podcast Show under Facebook Instagram and the Twitter we are of course on all three of those places and every now and then you'll see me popping in and out of Clubhouse so love to connect with you there as well just remember this as we get on out of here today and that's this remember when you walk in other people's shoes you really do get a different perspective on life thank you so much for listening and stay tuned till next week like I said when we walk
1: in other people's shoes.